Well, good morning, everyone. Oh, it is so good to hear the, the fellowship and the warmth of our church today. Thank you so much for coming and joining and being a part this morning. I'd like to say aloha and mele kalikimaka, and uh, you guys all know what that means. And I hope that you had a great Thanksgiving um, this past weekend, that you got to spend it with people that you love and care for, and that you didn't do what I did, which was eat way, way too much. But uh, if you did, then the next few weeks before Christmas comes is our time together to exercise and get ready for that, right? <laughs> and um, now I hope that you were not only thankful for the wonderful gifts that you received throughout the year, which is all the things that, you know, we, we think about when we talk about Thanksgiving. But I hope this year also that you were able to give thanks that you had the opportunity to give and bless others as well, too. And, um, and so as we move into this time of Advent, we are celebrating Advent. This is the first Sunday of Advent. And um, each week I have asked different um, parts of our church to, uh, to help me with Advent. And so this Sunday... We ask the beautiful, wise, and mature people of our church, the beautiful, wise, and mature people, to bring the message of hope and what Advent is for. Next Sunday, um, we're going to ask our, our energetic and vivacious youth, college, young adults to come, and they're going to bring the, the message of peace for us. And then, the week after that, on the 12th, um, we are going to ask the amazing and talented choir to come, and they're going to bring a message of love, and we're going to share that, the Advent love. And then on the 19th of December, um, the blessed and glorious children of our church and mission preschool, they're going to come and help share the message of joy for Advent. And then on the 24th, which is our uh, Christmas Eve service, um, I've been talking to other Nazarene pastors around town, and we're trying to get together and, and come here and, uh, and, and celebrate Advent together as a community. And then, but doing that, next year we might go to another church and, and maybe hop around after that. But uh, what a blessing it is to, to bring others in to um, join and, and build community to celebrate Advent together. And so that's the schedule for Advent coming up. Um, we have a lot of different people coming to help us share the great messages of Advent. And then, after every Sunday service, uh, when we get done, please stay, because in the courtyard, um, we're preparing Advent uh, drinks, and uh, Advent Christmas drinks, and, and, and some snacks. So today we got pie, and cider, and coffee. So please stay uh, to join us. Just meet out in the courtyard, and we'll have a wonderful time together. Next week, it'll be something different. So, what I'm saying is, you don't want to miss a Sunday and miss out on all that God has prepared for us. And so today as I, I bring my Advent message, I'm going to sandwich my message between um, some testimonies. As you can see behind me, I have three beautiful ladies. Um, we have Beulah, Alita, and Heather. And these three ladies are, are all related, three different generations of people. And what I, what I did was I sent them some questions beforehand so that they could prepare well for the questions that I want to ask them about hope. And, and I, was, I wanted to see what hope sounded like from three different generations of people, right? And, um, but they all received the same question. And so, um, Beulah, 
is Alita's mom, and Alita is Heather's mom, and, um, and I wanted just to see, you know, what they would say about these questions and hopes. So ladies, are you ready to help me with my sermon today? I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask the questions, and then we'll, we'll start. Um, Heather, you can start as we you ask the first mom. question, and then when we ask the second question, I'll come back and start with Beulah on the other end. Okay, so Heather, what does hope mean to you? Uh, so, thinking back to what hope used to mean to me, it was more, you know, what will happen way in the future, like someday, I hope. Hope I'll go to heaven. Uh, and over the years, it's changed uh, to not only encompassing that, but the hope of every day, the hope of right now. That God, uh, God is taking care of me. He's, uh, he's got me no matter what happens. Uh, that he's always there for me. And that's the hope I have every day. Thank you. Alita, how about you? What, is, what does hope mean to you? Um, hope is always a forward word. Um, you, you can't uh, have hope and be looking back. You always look forward. Um, it, it's a word full of light. And um, yeah, hope is an attitude on a progressive journey. Kind of, there are certain things you hope for, so that feels like a destination. But there's really, once you get there, you keep hoping forward. And, um, yeah. So it's, it's keeping your eyes forward. And... Um, for me, the, the hope of heaven, the hope of seeing my dad again, of, um, of seeing others that have gone before me, that hope, and the hope that gets you through the day. Yeah. Amen. How about you, Beulah? There's no hope. No tomorrow. You have to hold the microphone. If there's no hope, there's no tomorrow. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. Bill, I'm going to ask you the second question. Where does your hope come from? It comes from the Lord. Oh, it comes from the Lord. Well, you don't have anything to pick up and feel. You've got to have something. It gives a good feeling. It's positive. I've thought about my family that I grew up in. I wish it could have been different. They didn't serve God and they didn't have money. They didn't have any, uh, they didn't want any of us kids. Yeah. Yeah, it's my turn. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Her turn. <laughs> <laughs> okay, in spite of what she grew up with, she found Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so I have to review the question again now that I got off there. Where does my hope come from? It comes, uh, hope is based on belief. And um, I believe the promiser, and that's God. And he continues to renew my hope as I, I am intentional about filling my mind with the promises of God, with the word of God. The Holy Spirit makes it real to me. And um, 
you can't just go along and hope hope's going to find you. You have to find hope yourself by putting one foot in front of the other and saying, this is where I'm going. This is what I'm doing. I'm believing the promiser keeps his promises. Thank you. Is it my turn? Yes. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was very blessed to see it modeled for me, so I knew what hope looked like. But, uh, of course, it wasn't my hope until I made the decision for myself that I have confidence in my Savior, um, that I accepted him as my Lord, and it came naturally um, that, that God, is, God is there for me, um, that he gave himself for me, and that I have a hope of, of heaven with him and daily life with him. Heather, we can start with you there. Where is hope needed most today? Uh, well, <laughs> the world's kind of a mess right now. Um, I mean, the world is always a mess, isn't it? But, um, but uh, we, we're not here to fix what's wrong with the world. Uh, there, there are so many people that God is just waiting and holding out his hand um, and waiting for him to look to him. And those are individual lives. Um, and each person could experience the hope of a relationship with God. Um, it's more than just having the life you want or uh, the, the politics that you want or people acting the way you want. It's it's each individual experiencing a relationship with Jesus Christ. And everybody, that's um, it, our job to kind of show people um, they can have that, um, even when they feel defeated and hopeless in how their lives are going or how, how things are going in the world. We can share that with them. Alita? My turn. Okay, go ahead. You go. Do you want to go for a no, go, go, go for it, Mom. All right. <laughs> where, we need hope. hope most? We need hope in everyday life. It's not just a one-time thing. It, you need it 24-7. So, um... Hope is needed in the dark. A lot of um, hope is full of light, and um, and I'm talking about the darkness of people's minds and thoughts, and in their in their spirits, in their hearts. Without hope, people are fearful. They are despairing. They're helpless. That's a terrible place to live. And um, the hope of Jesus is, is needed where the minds are dark, where the spirits have given up. And, that, and no matter what the circumstances are, because people have hope even in really bad circumstances. Have you noticed that? And sometimes that's where the hope shines the brightest. 
is when things seem on the outward appearance to be the darkest. And that's where we need hope. Last question for you. You ready? Last question. What do you want? What do you hope to get for Christmas? <laughs> a big meal, I guess. Okay. We can, we can do that. <laughs> I get to be with my children. Mm-hmm. That's her. That's my life. I just thank the Lord for my children today. That's my hope. <laughs> All right. Well, um, for me, it's it's being to be, being together with people I love, and um, meaningful conversation. That's that feels like getting a gift, I guess, and that's the best. Yeah, all that stuff. <laughs> I don't actually. I don't have a, a present I'm hoping for. I, I never know what, <laughs> what to put on a Christmas list. So uh, all of that sounds great. Maybe buy me a cup of coffee or <laughs> a book. I'll be pretty happy. Oh. Hey, let's give them a great hand. Great hand. You want to say one more thing? Okay. One more My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest friend, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now we can go ahead. Thank you so much. Well, I'm still hoping for an Ultraman t-shirt that fits. No, I'm just kidding. Church. Someone came up to me after church last Sunday and they said, Pastor Gordon, you're going to get so many Ultraman t-shirts this for... And I said, no, 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 I don't need any more clothes for Christmas. If you were thinking about that, I'm good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much, Alita. Thank you, Heather. Thank you, Beulah, for sharing your thoughts on hope. As you can tell, probably after what you've been hearing and maybe what you've experienced before... That, that hope is used in our language in many different ways. And, and there's many different degrees of what we hope for, right? As children, as we talked about last Sunday in my sermon, children, they hope to get the right gifts at Christmas. And, and, and we understand that. Children are children, and that's what they hope for. And then some people here, you, you may hope in a different degree for something different. Some of you are hoping today that the sermon gets done early and you can go home and watch the Chargers win, right? That's some of you. I hope that the Chargers win this, this Sunday. And, uh, and you got your fingers crossed. And, and that's another way we use the word hope. And yet, there's another degree of hope. And for some people, they're just hoping because they're desperate and they're hoping that they can make it through the end of the year, right? For a brand new year to come. And so, so we can hope for toys, we can, we can hope for our favorite team to win, and hope the pastor preaches a short sermon. My brother hopes that every Sunday, he really does. And, uh, and, and, and yet there's hope that, that maybe gets us through some of the most difficult and dark times in our lives. And, and we, we, we look at hope in different ways. But I will tell you today that when we contrast biblical hope, when we contrast the hope of Advent 
to the hope of, of how the world views hope, there's a vast chasm and a huge difference from, from what you heard these ladies talk about when they spoke of hope that, than what people hope for out in the world today. See, when we hope for our favorite team to win, or we hope that after we took the exam that we got all the answers right, oh, I, I, I always hope that. Very rarely did my hopes come true. <laughs> when we hope for, for things of this world like that, it's a maybe yes, maybe no kind of thing. Maybe it'll turn out good. Maybe it won't. To contrast that, biblical hope and the hope of Advent is always in the context of certainty, not maybe. The Greek word for hope is elpis. And what that word means, when you, the definition of elpis, is a favorable and confident expectation. It's, it's, it's an expectation that's certain. It's not the, I hope I pass this exam. I hope the Chargers win. I, you know, I, I hope I get the, the right gift at Christmas. That's a, that's, a, that's a maybe circumstance. Advent hope is certain. It is certain. See, this biblical hope is the same hope that the people of Israel had for their long-awaited Messiah. Chuck Downing shared a little bit about that as he was up here. So did Pastor Bob. Thank you for bringing that understanding that, that, that the biblical hope was a hope of a confident expectation that people had. And the people of, of Israel, the Jewish people, they had a hope of a coming Messiah. And you know what's so amazing and interesting about their hope? It was a confident expectation that took generations and generations and generations to come to pass. They waited and waited and waited. Parents taught their children about this long-awaited Messiah and, 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 and asked them and, and, and formed with them this hope of certainty. And that generation passed. And it was passed on to the next generation from parent to child. And then the next generation from parent to child. And generations would pass and some never even saw their hopes fulfilled in that long-awaited Messiah. But each generation still had the certainty of their hope to be fulfilled. And you know what? It finally was fulfilled at the birth of Jesus Christ when He came into the world. And we today celebrate that Advent, that coming and that arrival with a confident expectation of our own. A confident expectation of believing that one day Jesus is coming again. And we have that hope, that expectation of something that is certain that Jesus will be coming again. But it's like the Jews. It's long in coming, hasn't it been? And, and we will begin by telling our children about this second advent. And we may not see this advent of our own come to pass. And so we're going to teach them to tell their children and tell their children until one day, church, one day our hopes will be realized when Jesus returns again. 
we have the same confident expectation that the Messiah Jesus will come again. Now, Chuck Downing told us that when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, just two miles away was Jerusalem, and 40 to 60,000 people lived there. And not a one was ready for the birth of the Messiah. We have a hope that when Jesus comes again, that we will be ready, that we will see Christ, and that when He comes again, that our hearts will be united with His, and we will see the Messiah come. And that's our hope, our confident assurance that when Jesus comes again, we will all be ready. Amen, church? Amen. And so we live right now in this tension, in this tension of the hope that is not yet seen. We hope for it, and we're still waiting for it. We're confident that it's coming, but we have not seen it yet. And our hope is still certain, though. It's not certain because of what we see, because we still haven't seen it. And the Apostle Paul helps us to understand this really well. I love what he writes in, in uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 24 through 28. It's on the screen here, and I'm going to share it with you. But when I get to verse 28, I would love for us to read it together. So hear the word of the Lord in Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 24. It says this, For in this hope we have been saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. And in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And here's this beautiful passage that we all love so much. And, and I'd like for you to read this passage with me. Okay, it's on the screen, Romans 8.28. Let's read it together. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Oh, what an amazing passage. We love verse 28. We love it because of, of what it says for us, right? That God will work things out on our behalf. Amen. We love that. But you know what? When we see that passage that way, we miss the bigger picture of what Romans 8.28 tells us. You, that passage is not about us. It's about God. Look at it. Verse 28. And we know that in all things, the subject is God. God will work for the good of those who love Him and who are called according to His like what Alida and Beulah and Heather said, God is the source of our hope. And that's why we can have assurance and confidence in it. We don't hope in earthly things, right? There's the big chasm of separation because our hope is not in what happens in the world. Our hope is securely found in God. Our hope is not with worldly things the maybes of the world. Maybe this will happen. I hope it happens. Maybe yes, maybe no. 
maybe good, maybe bad. That's not God's hope. The hope of God is the assurance of certainty. And let me just show you the difference of what it looks like. Earlier this year, earlier this year, many people, even in our church, were hoping, hoping, fingers crossed, hoping that the Padres would win the World Series. I see some hands back there. Yes, we were hoping. Right? We hoped that this was our year. But again, this is the great chasm, the great disparity, the difference between worldly hope and godly hope. You see, the hope of the Messiah was a certainty. It took generations. And like I said, parents taught their kids and never saw it. And then their kids taught their kids and never saw it. And their kids again taught their kids. And generations would faithfully hope and believe. And some never saw it. But they still believed with assurance. The Padres winning the World Series, it's going to take generations and generations and generations and you won't see it. And and I guess there are some similarities there, right? (laughs) Hope sometimes takes a while. But you know what the beauty is? And, And I so appreciate what Pastor Bob said about the Advent. Is that there's a difference in the waiting a waiting of maybe or a waiting of certainty. Biblical hope, Advent hope, is the favorable, confident expectation that God's plans will come to pass. That's the good news for us today. And in, in Romans eight twenty eight, the subject is on God. He is the hope. The source of our hope is God. And even when we think all hope is lost, what I love so much about Romans 8.28 is the powerful message that God is not done yet. We might think all hope is done. Oh, it's, it's over. It's done. It's... But this verse tells me that God's not done yet. And as long as our hope is in God and He's still working then church, there's still hope. There's still the assurance that God is at work. And that's what I am so grateful for. Because we know that in all things, God works for the good for those who love Him and called according to His purpose. And so, one thing that I know, because I've lived through this myself, every year when the holidays come, it's a great and joyous time for many. But for some It's the most difficult time of the year. When my dad passed away and the first Christmas came and he wasn't there, oh, I felt the emptiness. I felt the loss. I felt the pain. But I had hope which brought me through. The assurance that my dad knew Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And the assurance that I know without a doubt that one day I'm going to see him again. That's what pulls us through. The assurance of the hope of God. Have you ever lost hope before? Have you ever lost hope? If you have, being there is hard. It's a difficult place to be. 
And what makes it worse is that we live in a world of instant gratification, right? What we want, we get right away. And we hate to wait. (laughs) Say amen if you hate to wait. Amen. It's all of us. We hate to wait. But again, like what Pastor Bob said, it's in the waiting that God is revealed so beautifully. When we try to, to fix the problems, and we can't, so we fix, we fix the blame, and that still doesn't fix the problem. So then we fix the blame on ourselves, and that still doesn't fix the problems that we face. When we can't fix the problem anymore, we get to the place where what do we do? All we have left is we surrender everything and we wait. And that's the advent. That waiting for what God will do. When we've tried everything else and we surrender to God, we surrender our situations that we can't control. For some, we surrender the marriage that seems broken. We surrender our children that have wandered away. We surrender our future. We surrender our past. We surrender ourselves. And when we shed the self-sufficiency of our own lives and we cry out to God, we know this one beautiful thing. God is still at work. It's not over yet. God is still at work. And that is good news. And when we surrender, we see God working. When we surrender, and we see God working in our surrender, that, it, that ignites the flame of hope in our lives, that changes our thoughts from the maybe yes, maybe no, to the certainty of what God would want to accomplish in our lives. And this is what changes us and transforms us to the, from the people who we were once before to the people who God calls us to be. And I love in Romans chapter 5, beginning at verse 1 through verse 5, what the Apostle Paul says here about hope and how that transforms us. He says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith, into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Glory in our sufferings? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who He has given to us. Wow. Isn't it crazy that hope allows us to brag about God even in our own suffering? When you're suffering, you can say, God is still at work. He's not done yet. And you know what that does? It transforms us. It changes us into people who are confident and assured that God is still at work. Amen? I'm going to invite, this is the sandwich now, I'm going to invite Pastor Paul Churchman to come up. I'm sorry. 
Pastor Robert Churchman to come up. Sorry, Robert. It's like I don't even know you. Pleasure to meet you. My name is Robert. <laughs> Pastor Robert Churchman to come up and share his amazing story of hope in his life. When Pastor Gordon was sharing with me his message today and what he was going to be talking about, I was like, that's me. That's my story. That's my testimony. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Here's why. My story, it actually took place during the Advent season of 2009. As he was sharing his story, of his message, excuse me, I saw my story connect to the message. You see, I go back to 1969. And as we all have in our lives written down, what do we want for Christmas? What did I want? I was writing those things down that I wanted. In 1968, Hot Wheels were released. What little boy didn't want a Hot Wheel? And in 1969, in September of 69, Scooby-Doo came out. I'm like, Scooby-Doo, a dog that talks. So what I wrote down, I wanted Hot Wheels. That was on my list. And I wanted Scooby-Doo pajamas. Right? You, I mean, come on. Who doesn't like pajamas? So I wrote down Scooby-Doo pajamas. And then life goes on. Life progresses. We can't go back. We move forward. And now I'm in 2008. Life has happened in my, for me but 2008, life really happened for me. I lost 12 people that either were in my family or friends. One of them being my mom. She was so close to me. I loved my mom. And I lost her. I lost my job. And if anyone remembers that time... Jobs weren't very plentiful in 2008 and 2009. They were hard to come by if you could find one at all. And I realized life isn't so easy anymore. But 2009, it's going to get better. It's going to be better. I lost nine more people. Friends and family. I counted it out. 21 people in two years. 21. And and then I'm looking, and I realize that my hand hurts too much. I'm having problems with it. All the years of weightlifting and an injury that I had back in the late 80s at work. So I had to have surgery to remove the metal that was inside of it. Now I'm having to recover from that. So I have all this in my head of, oh, God, just get me through this year. And then I put my house up for sale. I'm like, oh, okay, something good is coming out of this. 
And then November comes. And I come home to an empty house. What happened? After 16 years, what happened? I had to put a dog to sleep. What happened? I realized that I learned something, by the way. You cannot rent an apartment without a job. I had gone almost two years without a job. What happened? See, those were my wants. I'd written down my wants of what I wanted. I wrote them down. And I came here to this church. This was my church before becoming a pastor, before being called into ministry. This is my church. It's your church, too. And when I came, I came with a new list of what I wanted God to fix. God, can't you fix this for me? Please fix this. I sat right over here. And I listened to the message. I listened to Dr. Runyon speak. And then finally, there was an opportunity to come. And I realized that I, I, I came wanting something to be fixed. But what I heard God put on my heart, it's not what you want. It's what I need you to do. I need you to come. Come. Come to me with your struggles. Come to me with your problems. Come to me with your pain. Come. Come. And I came. And I remember that when I came, there was such a freedom as I wept. And as I gave to God... All these things that I realized I couldn't handle. They were burdens I couldn't carry. So I came, and I surrendered them here at the altar. God said, come. Come to me. Let go of what you want, and let me give you what you need. And what he told me, what he said to me was, I need you to surrender. 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 I did. I surrendered. I, I asked for forgiveness. I repented of, of, of my behavior at the time. I surrendered of, of the things that got in the way of what was blocking me from hearing God. Today, Pastor Gordon had been mentioned out in the courtyard. He said, let's just put a, a timer on for two minutes and be quiet. And just listen. Listen to God. And I thought, oh my goodness, another piece of my message. Because <laughs> God just said, come up here and just, just be quiet. Rest in me. Just come. Rest. Be with me. And I did. And I just felt all those things just kind of melt away. But I also asked God, I says, God, God, I, I, I'm... I'm going to be alone this year for Christmas. I have nothing. I've not been alone for 16 years. 
in marriage. And I, I realized, I, uh, I'll let it go. I, I, I let God know what I, what I was asking for. And I said, God, one of the things I really want this year for Christmas, if I get anything at all, I just don't want to be alone. God says, I got this. It's in my time. You see, because I already given you the gift that you needed, I gave you Jesus. Advent season, this year, Advent season is our preparation of the coming of Jesus. And God reminded me of that. That I've already given you the gift that you needed, Jesus. And I said, God, I thank you. As I went out after service, I was out in the courtyard, I might have been in the foyer, I don't know where I was, but two families came up to me, or at least one that represented both families. You actually might have seen them speaking here today. They counted as three, but to me they meant they came as one. And they invited me to come to their home on Christmas Day and to spend Christmas with them. I had no idea that God was going to give me a gift that I, I, I wasn't aware of. But he said, I, I give you that gift of Jesus. See, I got more than I expected because I heard him, um, I, heard, I heard him talk to me and say, come, come, come. So I invite you wherever you are today to have the same opportunity that I was given back in 2009, and that is to come, to come, to come wherever you are. Come to the altar. Come this morning. Come and bring your hopes. What are you hoping for this year? Come. Are you hoping for a child to come home? Are you hoping for reconciliation with someone that you know? Are you hoping for just someone to be compassionate because you just lost someone this year? I invite you today to come. And as you come, the worship team will be playing music. And after we're done, I will pray. And then we'll have a benediction and you'll be dismissed. But for now, please come. Come. Our heads with me as we pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for giving us the gift that we all need Jesus. I pray that as we journey this Advent season, that we do not rush it, but to be taking our time, to spend time this Advent season in the Word, in prayer, in worship. I pray that we do not let it rush by and forgotten, but instead to be intentional. May I hope this year be intentional for us. Not the hope that we have in this world, but biblical hope. The living hope we have in Christ. 
I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And our benediction for today is found in Romans 5, 1 through 5. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I leave that with you today. Go. Go this day and be in worship and relationship with Christ.